Hello, welcome. Um, thank you for tuning in this morning. If you are first time watching the Anchor Point uh, sermon or listening to the podcast, um, special welcome to all of you. My name is Nate. And I'm Jonathan. Um, we've been going to Anchor Point, me for two years. Three years for me. Yeah. Well, ish. <laughs> We're super glad to know each other. We're super glad to know you. Um, if you've been giving during this time, we'd like to thank you for that. And if you wish to con continue to do so, you can send an e-transfer to giving at apalliston.com. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoy this sermon, and we hope to see you at our prayer and worship mornings, uh, Sunday mornings, if you can get there. Good morning. We're going to be reading from Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 4, and it's the ESV version. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. This is the word of the Lord, and it was given to us in love, and it's absolutely true. Hey guys, what's going on? I hope you're doing well today. And my name's Tom, if I've not met you before, and I am glad that you're here with us. Whether you are listening on the podcast or checking us out on YouTube, welcome, welcome, welcome. My hope and prayer for us as we look at these four verses is that it is a nudge or a kick in the pants or whatever you may need to take seriously Jesus's invitation to follow him, to be a disciple, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. That's what all of this is about. And so the good news for us is that Jesus wants that for you and for me too. So we just yield to that today. And so as we hop in, I want to just a couple quick reminders about the context of what we're, we're reading through. This is a letter that was written about 30 years after Jesus died to a group of followers of Jesus somewhere in Italy uh, from an unknown author to, to encourage this group of followers of Jesus because they're super discouraged. They are getting legitimate persecution. Some of them are becoming in prison. There's public shaming. All kinds of stuff's happening. But they're on the verge of giving up. They're like, I, I don't know if I can keep, keep going. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And he's saying, hey, listen, keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. And he gives three reasons. He says, the first is that if you keep going, if you keep following Jesus, there's a, there's a reward for you at the end of this. The second thing is, hey, keep going because it's better for you if you do. It won't go well with you if you don't. And the third thing is, is keep following Jesus because Jesus is better than anything. Fill in the blank. And so today is, is, is one of the warnings that we find in Hebrews. And we're going to kind of lean into that. And this is maybe... Um, I don't know. This is not my comfort zone. I'll say that in kind of like giving a warning, but I think it, it was, as I was studying and praying this week, it felt, it felt um, like what God wanted to highlight for us as a community. And so before we do that, I want us to just pray. And um, I'm going to invite you to bow your head if you can. And um, let's do that. Let's, let's pray together. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Jesus, we thank you for your perfect life, death, resurrection, and ascension that you've included us in that. Holy Spirit, we're grateful that you want to reveal Jesus to us, that you empower us to live our lives as he would. And so today, as we open up your word, God, we ask that you would be glorified and magnified, that you would be lifted high. We, we, we do that right now. We magnify you above everything else in our lives, Jesus. We're sorry for the ways that we don't do that. But before we even start today, we want to put you on your, we want to acknowledge that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We want to yield to you. God, your thoughts are higher and your ways are better. And so we yield to you this morning. We pray a protection over every heart and mind right now in Jesus' name. We tell the enemy to be gone in Jesus' name. You have no right to be here. Help our hearts and minds be open to receive your word. Lord, may it be crystal clear to us. We love you and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, today we're going to talk about this whole idea of drifting. So three ways that we drift away from the good news of the gospel. And so I'm going to just quickly summarize um, the, the gospel for us. The gospel is the good news that God our Father, the Creator, out of His undying love for us, has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, and death, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, to establish His kingdom in and through His people and the power of of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is the good news of Jesus. That is the gospel message. And so today we're going to look at um, the, the tendencies we have towards drifting away from this. And just kind of, I'm going to call out three things that hopefully we, we can, maybe we can identify in our own lives and we can repent of and turn back to Jesus and take seriously um, his good news. Uh, I am not a sailor, but I, I, have been in the water. We talked about this, like the ocean idea that we drift away without keeping our mind and our eyes focused on like a fixed point in the on the beach. We can drift quickly and not even know what's happening. You know, may, maybe for a lot of us, the, the, the idea that comes to mind is we could have missed one turn on a journey and gone hundreds of miles off course, you know, by not really paying close attention. And so the, the first way that we drift, so verse one of chapter two, Therefore, we must pay closer, much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And just really quickly, in the end of chapter one, the, the author or the, the preacher, you could say, is essentially ex explaining or um, expositing this idea that Jesus is better than the angels. And this is important because the angels were the ones who delivered the law and the, te like, of the Ten Commandments and the law to Moses. And so he's saying, hey, that old way? Jesus is, first of all, Jesus is better than the angels. And so the messenger who communicated this, this, the way of being, the way of living with, with God is better in this case with Jesus. So Jesus is good news. The announcement of his kingdom, of his way of living life in God's kingdom, of his way of living the with God life is better than the old way. So how much, we, we paid attention to that. We took that very seriously, but how much more attention should we pay to Jesus's good news? Jesus's invitation to the kingdom of God. And so with that in mind, we have to pay, pay much closer attention to the good news of Jesus that we just read about. 
lest we drift away from it. And I think this implies our human nature to kind of drift away and kind of forget and kind of just, oh yeah. And, and there's a few reasons why we do that. The first one is apathy. And we drift in apathy by moving in a slow, smooth, gentle, and unforced way with no direction. We become complacent and apathetic. We just don't feel like doing anything, whether that's just because we're legitimately physically exhausted or spiritually exhausted, we just don't feel like it anymore. And this could manifest in all kinds of ways. Like maybe, um, I know I've gone through times of this where it's like, if you would have asked me where my Bible is, I couldn't have even told you because I haven't, I hadn't read it in so long. I was just apathetic. I was complacent. I was tired. I just didn't really feel like doing it. Maybe that's you or like, Hey, when was the last time you prayed? I, I don't, I don't remember. I don't really, I don't, I don't know. Just it's, it's fine. Right. And you just, you forget and you, you, you've slowly drifted away from this invitation to live the with God life through what Jesus has done to just kind of, you know, complacency, apathy. We're not taking it seriously where everything feels like a chore. You've not picked up your Bible. You've not prayed. You've not spent time in community just because you don't feel like it. Jesus talks about this in Revelation where he's talking to the church in Ephesus who had done all kinds of incredible things um, throughout their history. They were really wise, like in, in, in discerning theology and exposing false prophets and apostles and all kinds of stuff. But he says this, he says, you've done all that stuff, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Revelation 2 verse 4. You've abandoned the love you had at first, or you've abandoned your first love. That's how we become apathetic. We forget our hearts are involved in this. Our hearts have grown cold. And this comes out in, in ways where we're essentially underliving. So apathy and complacency is, is essentially underliving. Remember, God has prepared good works for you to walk in from before the foundation of the world that he chose you and called you as he made up his mind about you before you made up your mind about him, that he wants you to, to thrive and flourish. But maybe you've drifted off and you've just become complacent and apathetic. And this manifests like in, in sins of omission. And what we mean by that is that you, you're not doing the things you know you ought to do. You're not taking seriously the, the, the call to be with Jesus as you open up his word or as, as you spend time in prayer or you spend time with his family and community. You become apathetic. That's the first way we have a tendency to drift away from the good news because all those things are tied up in that. We've been brought into a new family through what Jesus has done. We've been given the Holy Spirit to help us understand God's word. We've been given access to the to the Trinity through what Jesus has done, where we can experience the love that they've known, but we've just kind of become apathetic and complacent. Maybe the, th the another way we become, or the, another way that we drift is we, we compromise. And so that means to deviate from a set course where there is, we've, we've taken up this idea of following Jesus. We've laid down our right to define good and evil and trusted him for his, but maybe there's this, there's this way where we've actually, we've kind of taken some steps backwards. We're like, actually, no, I think in this area, I'm going to go ahead and define good and evil myself because this is what I feel like doing. And this manifests in sins of commission where you're actually doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. 
Matthew um, 6.24 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money in this case. But you could fill in the blank with whatever thing there. And maybe for you, you've, you've drifted away through um, maybe just picking up some old patterns you had before. Maybe you're watching stuff or looking at stuff that you shouldn't be. Maybe you are using a substance to kind of cope with the exhaustion and the, the way that you feel right now in the world or your just discouragement. You've, you've turned to things that maybe you'd given up before. Maybe you picked things up for the first time that just aren't God's highest and best for you. And you've drifted away from the good news of the gospel that he is the one and only true king, that his definition of good and evil is the only way to flourishing, that he wants to fill up your life with his presence. But instead you've compromised that and you've decided to take that defining of good and evil into your own hands. And you've kind of kept God at a distance and you've compromised. The third way that we drift is through distraction. Yikes. To be distracted and to drift away into distraction is to go from one place to another, never staying for long. Does that not summarize basically the world these days? I feel like I sound like an old man, but it, it's true. And so I want to read a quote and then I want to read a scholar commenting on this quote from Blaise Pascal. And Blaise Pascal was a famous mathematician from the 19th century. He had an incredible relationship with Jesus um, and has he wrote this book called Pensies. I've never read it, but I really want to read it. And um, anyways, this is a thought from that. And I think it summarizes this whole idea of drifting through distraction. I have often said that the sole cause of a man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. Peter Kreeft commenting on this, on this quote. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want it to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very things we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be absolutely terrified. Because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. Maybe you're drifting through distracting yourself. You can't face the gaping hole in your heart the emptiness you feel, like that black hole that nothing is enough and nothing is satisfied. And you thought if you ordered that thing or took that course or did this thing and started that thing, and then you put that down and put it up and pick something else up, that that would somehow fill that hole within you. And remember, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus alone can satisfy you. That what you're looking for in terms of relationship or purpose or identity or all those things are only found in him and in his kingdom. And I think for all of us, there's, there's probably truth in every single capacity of this idea of drifting. Drifting through apathy and complacency, drifting through compromise, and drifting through distraction. But what do we do with that? How do we, how do we move from there? Because the, the writer goes on and he, he adds to this warning to drift because he says, listen, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, right? That's the, the old covenant. And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Remember, there were consequences built into the law. How shall we escape it if we neglect such a great salvation? Meaning that like the, the, the way that some of the um, older Hebrew arguments were, were made was like a lesser idea and then a greater idea. And so that's what the, the writer's doing here. He's saying, listen, 
we, we took this really seriously. How much more seriously do we, do we need to take the other thing? Jesus is good news and gospel and invitation to his kingdom. And Jesus is sobering words in the Sermon on the Mount that, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom one day. For some of us, he might, that, that could be the case. We have to take that seriously, that, that we want to know God and be known by God. So, so we took the old thing seriously. How much more seriously should we take this such a great salvation that we have in Jesus? Because, and there's, he goes on to prove, like, kind of, he gets, it was declared at first by the Lord, by Jesus himself, repent, the kingdom of God is here. And it was attested to us by those who heard, the apostles, the disciples, those who would have been witness to Jesus. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Healings, deliverance, tongues and interpretation, prophecy, all kinds of stuff. Even reading through Acts as we've been doing together as a community, you see the evidence of, of God's kingdom breaking in. God's rule and reign being expressed in God's way by God's people. That's what we see breaking out. We need to be careful that we don't drift away from that. And for these guys, it was a drifting back towards the old covenant, to their, to their Jewishness. And he's saying, hey, listen, no, remember, you live in God's kingdom now. Remember the good news of the gospel, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, that he is the better high priest. And he'll go on to, we'll, we'll go on to study more of this the rest of the, the letter. But he's saying, hey, listen, take this seriously. Jesus is better than the angels. And Jesus became man and did all these things to rescue us from sin, Satan, and death, and to renew all things. So the how much more of this salvation we need to take seriously. Sobering words. So what do we do with that? I think it boils down to that whole idea we talked about in the beginning of remembering our first love. Of taking the time, for those of us who are listening to this today, who would consider themselves followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. I want, I want you to, to, to reflect on this. And, I, and he says, pay attention here. I want you to, to remember I want you to remember what it was like when you first started to follow Jesus. That sense of freedom, of joy, maybe, of, of like undeniable acceptance and, and peace that you would have sold anything or moved anywhere and done anything for him. Try to remember back to that. What was it like when you first started to follow Jesus? Try to remember back to those days. And then we, we have to repent. We have to lay down and, and realize and be honest about the ways that we have drifted away from God. That we've taken up defining good and evil in our own terms. That we've become apathetic and we haven't put any effort into our relationship with him. Or maybe that we've, we've picked up habits that are unhealthy and unhelpful for us and for those around us. Or maybe we are just distracting ourselves into oblivion. But we repent of those things and we say, Jesus, I want to fix my eyes on you. And we remember that it's because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That we can only love because God first loved us. And so I want us to think about that. I want us to remember back to the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. And maybe you don't know Jesus yet, and this is a great time to say that his arms are open 
as you realize your need for a savior, that you are caught and stuck in your own sin and guilt and shame and that there's no way out through self-improvement or through um, a new yoga app or through whatever it might be, that you need forgiveness, that you need healing, that you need to be made whole. That is only through Jesus and in his kingdom. But his doors are open to you as you repent and, and receive him as your savior as you pray and, and ask to be forgiven. And he says, absolutely. My blood has made a way for you into this new family. I'm going to remove your sins as far as the East is from the West so that you don't have to deal with that sin and that guilt and shame anymore. I'm going to do away with it for you so that you can live fully alive in my kingdom. And so for those of us who know Jesus, let's take some time this week to remember what it was like when we first met Jesus. Think back to that. You know, even, you know, the parallel to marriage sometimes is helpful too, where, you know, maybe you get in a rut and you're not really feeling it. And it's sometimes just remembering like what it was like in the beginning, remembering how you fell in love is helpful because it, it somehow enriches. As you look back, it, it's enriched somehow. And that's my prayer is as you look back on your journey with Jesus, as you see his faithfulness to you, as you see his hand in your life, that your heart will be stirred and that maybe a love that's grown cold will warm up again. And so my challenge for you this week is to spend some time actually journaling. Take, take some time. Maybe you've never done this before. Take some time this week. Open your Bible. Open a piece of paper or a journal if you have one. And just ask the Spirit to speak to you. Say, come Holy Spirit, speak to me. And just begin to maybe just pour out your own heart maybe you want to start that way and maybe but just be open to hearing from god through his word and my hope is that he reveals to you his the depths of his great love for you because remember we can only love because he first loved us and his love is unending and perfect and complete and so may our may our eyes be open to see and our hearts be softened to receive the goodness of god and his great love and mercy for us Guys, I, my prayer for us as a community is that we don't drift, that more than ever we are securely fastened to the hope that we have in Jesus, that we, that we continually are able to say to one another as we struggle with these things, hey, look to Jesus. Remember, he's so much better than anything else. Remember, it's, it's actually the best way to be. It's actually how flourishing will happen as, as you follow his way. And remember, there's a great reward, reward for you in the end. Well, I love you guys. I hope you have a great day and that this is helpful for you on your journey of becoming like Jesus. Look to him and we'll see you soon. Lots of love.